Good evening, everyone, and thank you for spending part of it with us. J.B. Long with DeMarco Farr. It's a week six edition of the Coach McVeigh Show. The Rams are 4-1, and one, coming off another road win at Washington. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Was Jared Goff mad at the cameraman? Was Ooh. he trying to throw the ball at him, or was that a spike? <laughs> Not sure what that was. Just trying to get, you know, clarity here. Not quite a Gronk spike. We're still working on a name for that one, but it was a fantastic run, his Heck second yeah. of the season. And on that note, let's bring in the head coach of those 4-1 and one Los Angeles Rams. Joining us from the home office tonight, I understand, Sean, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, no, it was uh... – I'd rather see a good run and a, a bad spike than the other way around. So we'll, we'll take the bad spike and the six points. Uh, great decision by Jared Goff. I mean, it's it's not there. You threaten the line of scrimmage. You, you find a, some space, and then you sprint to the end zone. I mean, that's that's how you coach him up. No, he did a great job. You know, he's really been able to threaten people on the edges with some of our keeper game. That was one of them. And, um, you know, they, they kind of covered all our el- eligibles, but uh, when your quarterback has a little bit of an ability to run, that's, uh, that's when we can gain back some math. Uh, not to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, because I know it's just one small blip and an entire win, but what I love about that moment is it shows you that, that Jared has the love and respect of his teammates because he takes his job seriously, but not himself seriously, if that's a true reflection of kind of the sentiment there, Sean? Yeah, no, I think he was laughing at himself. You could see when uh, they got – I saw he got he got uh, some good stuff for that on some of the highlight shows, and Berman had a good uh, – on their primetime way of getting after him. But, hey, uh, it's it, he's got a great way about himself and doesn't take himself too serious. Like you mentioned, that's an endearing trait. You know, I heard you say about your team after yesterday's win, they're a mature group, but they're also young. I mean, third youngest in the NFL at last check, and that's including Whitworth kind of tipping the scale. So I wonder, where does that maturity come from? Is it a product of the older leadership? Are there some old souls in this rookie sophomore class? Where, where is that coming from? I think it's both. I think it's really both. I mean, you look at some of the rookie can, you know, contributions we're getting. These are mature football players that uh, really understand it, but I think it all starts with the leadership. You know, the veteran leadership that we have on all, on both sides of the ball and even special teams when you look at Hecker and McQuaid and I think even Nick Scott in his second year really taking on some ownership. Uh, but overall, just our offense, our defensive guys, you know, I, I've just been so impressed with their leadership and how that really just uh, trickles down to the rest of the locker room. And I've always talked about, you know, the influence that my grandfather had on me and, and, and the coaching path and all that stuff. But he used to always talk about the importance of those guys that were their core leaders and how that just became what was the expectation. And um, that's what we're looking to do here. And that's what we've got going right now. Do you still hear that voice when you're coaching? Your grandfather's voice? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still talk to him all the time. Yeah. So he's such a huge influence on me. But um, he's just always had such a good way. He was a lot more even keeled than me. I'm more of a basket <laughs> case. So I wish I was a little bit more like him. Well, you do I a probably, good job hiding it, though, man. I mean, you, I, you play it close to the vest. The mask hides it all. I love it. I love it. Well, it's a big win, uh, 30 to 10 on the road. Um, do you wish, I mean, look, I, I think everybody wishes you, you. we had crowds back into football. I wish there was a crowd there just for one moment when Alex Smith trotted off the sideline. That would have been huge. But, I mean, are you missing the crowds? That would have been nice to, like, quiet the crowd for you on the way out the door. Yeah, those those kind of things are, you know, you're exactly right. Um, you know, we're still fortunate to be able to play football. The crowd certainly adds a huge element. But but that story that, you know, you see Alex Smith and those that are familiar with his background and what he's had to overcome, I mean, you just, what a what an unbelievable thing. Um, pretty cool to be able to witness it. And I just, uh, I just can't say enough about that. I couldn't bring myself to watch the documentary. But if I remember correctly, you told us last week you did put yourself through that, Sean. 
I did. You know, I, I, I could only – I kind of had to kind of look away where you know what's going on, but you're not really looking close at some of the surgeries and the – you know, how, how tough the, all the things that he had to overcome was. But when you just look at uh, – you know, you talk about persevering through adversity, continuing to fight, uh, you know, the mental toughness and just the ability to control your mind. I mean, this guy's incredible. And just who he is as a man from what I hear, especially because Kevin O'Connell's so close to him and – um, just, it, it was really a pretty unique thing. And to be able to compete and, and contribute and play in an NFL game after all the success that he's had, and I want to say year 16, it's just, uh, it's a real credit to who he is as a human being. And <laughs> it's amazing. Respect the heck out of him, but you're not taking Aaron Donald off the field. No, no, that's uh, you're not doing that. So that's uh, that's not our problem. Uh, you definitely want to be able to have a lot of production defensively. But I thought it was cool to be able to see. And I, I know even just listening to his post game presser, uh, I think it was probably good for him to be able to get tackled and kind of know, hey, if I can. Uh, so somebody said, you know, if if Alex Smith can wear Aaron Donald as a GN sport, he's going to be in good shape. <laughs> That's a great line. Rams coming off another road win this time at Washington. They sweep the NFC East. Now NFC West play begins at San Francisco in Week Six. Uh, Sean, we were calling yesterday's game from here in Los Angeles off the monitor from afar. Couldn't really tell exactly how much of a downpour there was, but it certainly seemed like the weather impacted the game plan and the execution once you had the lead. It did. You know, I missed seeing you guys on that flight out there, so I knew you yeah. were. The yeah, game from yeah. back here, um, <laughs> but it, it um, yes, it was uh, it was definitely affected and altered, and it was you know kind of different throughout the course of the game because there were spots where it was raining really hard, and then kind of would have a little bit of a lull. And I thought the field was in pretty good conditions, especially you know just all the history that I have there. I thought they've done a good job of keeping the field in good condition, but the elements as far as the rain definitely altered uh, uh, probably a little bit more of a conservative approach, just based on being able to handle a wet ball and thought it definitely affected both sides in terms of the play selection from an offensive standpoint. Gosh, I got so many questions. I mean, I thought you guys ran the ball effectively. I mean, tough, hard yards. I mean, Cam Akers coming back was great. Daryl Henderson has continued to be great. And Malcolm is just Malcolm. But the question, I guess, is for your O-line and Andrew Whitworth in particular, man. I mean, that was a, a, a nasty brand of ball he played yesterday. Yes, he's a, he's a physical – he's – He's played really well for us, and he really he's played outstanding throughout his whole career, but he's got a little more pop in his step. You know, I don't think I realized how much he was really playing through with some of the, the bone spurs, but his energy, his leadership, uh, especially in these moments when you don't have the fans and so much of their energy ends up being able to kind of translate to the players' play energy on the field, he has been outstanding. You know, I, I've just been so impressed with him and Brockers in particular and you know, the Johnny Heckers, just the, the consistent energy and the juice that those guys bring. You know, Robert Woods is one of those guys as well, but it's been awesome. So uh, he's he's played really well. He's he's playing at a high level for sure, DeMarco. I, I just understand the body language. It seems like he was sending messages, you know? Yeah, he, he you know, and that's a really good front. And you look at the, the, the athleticism, the talent, um, you know, some of those high draft picks that are absolutely merited. I mean, they've got playmakers all over that front, I think, you know, Chase Young has definitely made his presence felt. They've got some interior presence with Payne and Allen. And then uh, Montez Sweat looked pretty athletic chasing Cam, didn't he? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> a that, fast dude. <laughs> is that what a 4-4 at that position looks like? That's what an alien looks like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, and, and really the week before, wow. too, I know we talked about this uh, against the Giants, but for four, uh, two teams that really aren't getting great results right now, you'd be misled to think they don't have talent up front to challenge that offensive line and that running game in your pass pro. Yeah, it just shows you the credit of this the caliber of players in this league because kind of say it week in and week out and 
you know, you, you're looking at all these D lines and you got freaks across the board like DeMarco Farr. No. <laughs> you almost knocked him out Thank of his you. chair with that comment. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Hey, you had a couple good – hey, you were a baller back in the day, man. I watched you. You were a problem. You were, you were, you were always taking up two gaps and gap and a half people, and you were, you were a, a, a problem to deal with. I think you could still – I think you got a couple good snaps left in you still. Coach, I'm always going on one. If it's on two, I'm offside. Uh, that's just the way it goes. You know, I heard this from your press conference, so I'm going to steal one. Um, coaching three backs when you've got three guys that can carry the load. I mean, that's managing their ability, and that's also managing egos. I mean, how do you do that as a play caller, as a head coach, when you've got three guys that want the football? Well, I think uh, I've mentioned to you guys before the importance of surrounding yourself and being around just great coaches. And Thomas Brown is is a pretty special one. And his ability to manage that, have a great feel. I just have such trust and confidence. And we always communicate to those guys. And I think they understand that they're all three important, um, exactly what those roles are. We kind of try to define it going into each game based on the situations and how we see it playing itself out. But, you know, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves either in saying – this is exactly the touches because that's not how it goes and that's not real. And I just think uh, Thomas's ability to navigate through that has been instrumental and in, uh, it being successful through five games. And I expect the same thing to continue this week. Great to see all three of them healthy and getting healthier. How did you come out of week five on the injury front? You know, pretty good, JB. Uh, the, the two guys that, that would be out if we were to practice today and that we've got to make sure that uh, you know, kind of we revisit their status on Wednesday will be Oboe and uh, and Jordan Fuller. So Oboe got a little bit of an elbow. He had done a lot of good things. I think he's making strides defensively. He's making a good uh, – his presence felt on special teams. Uh, and then Jordan Fuller kind of just got a little stinger again. Same issue that he had a few weeks back. But, uh, man, has he been impressive for a rookie safety, his poise, uh, his understanding, his instincts, and just his range. I mean, you feel him back there, and we'll, we'll see what both those guys' statuses are uh, on Wednesday for the week. McKissick felt him definitely on that last he play. sure did. No, a great strike. Uh, you know, it's funny. When you turn on your defense, uh, your eyes automatically go to AD, and it's hard. You have to pull yourself off of him to watch everybody else. But I tell you, man, watching Oboe come off the edge, that man, can he can just fly off the he, edge. He can. He's that, That's his elite trait. Um you know, he, uh, he's got a great feel for that. He's got a great get off. He's explosive. He's gotten stronger. Um, and I think he's starting to understand some of those nuances of being able to change it up a little bit. But, you know, you're able to get a bunch of different rushers out there opposite of Floyd on the edge in a lot of instances. And Chris Shula did a nice job rotating those guys. But I think it makes it difficult on those tackles where they can't get a consistent feel for their set plan. And, um, you know, you're, you're giving them – it's almost kind of like a pitcher changing up his pitches if you've got a lot of guys that you can activate that – that have a different skill set and have a little bit different repertoire pass rush-wise. I know we'll talk about Troy Reader and his hat trick coming up in just a bit. Before we do, he's replacing Micah Kaiser in Week 5 at Washington. How is Kaiser progressing to making a return? You know, he's, he's progressing well. He's a guy that he probably uh, had a chance um, to be able to really push it, but with the elements, um, he's a guy that's so tough. You know, we kind of took the decision out of his hands. Mm. Uh, it's a result of, you know, kind of looking out for him for the long term, because if you end up having a setback, you know, now you're talking about a lot longer than we want. And it's also a reflection of the confidence in Troy Reader. But I would expect him to be on track to play this week. 
And then last thing, personnel-wise, uh, five weeks in uh, with Samuel Sloman as your place kicker, misses a PAT but then recovers to knock a couple of through. Is is this a week where you sense a need to audition any other options, or is he still your guy going to San you know, Francisco? I think we'll still move forward with him. You know, that's something that we're always evaluating as far as just, uh, you know, our roster in general. Um, you know, he's had some issues, but when you look around the league, that's kind of been a consistent theme for a lot of these kickers that have had a lot of success. So, I don't think you want to overreact, but I do want to see some more consistent performances. And uh, I like his ability to respond, uh, but you'd like to say I'd like him just to be more consistent uh, as we start to move forward with uh, with some of the options and the opportunities that he gets as far as putting it between the uprights. And moving forward with a trip to Levi's to take on the 49ers, the outset of conference play up next in week six. On this edition of the Coach McVay Show, hey, how about the defense? Their second half in particular yesterday, but really what they've done since the half in Buffalo. We'll ask the head coach of the Rams about that. And Gerald Everett has a breakout performance. That's all still ahead tonight on the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. All right, the Rams complete the sweep of the NFC East with a 30-10 to win at Washington. We talked about the conditions at FedEx Field with Sean McVay in our opening segment. I wonder, Sean, would you play every game climate-controlled if that was an option, or do you like some of these unpredictable elements mixed in over the course of a season? Uh, you know, as an offensive coach, I'd probably say I, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if you told me I never had the coach in the rain again. And uh, the climate control is, is I think, a preferred option, especially given the fact that the weather has been so outstanding here. So I've gotten spoiled. But hey, they, both teams have to play in it. Uh, we've got to be ready to adapt and adjust. But. If you said, uh, what would your pick be? The climate control would definitely be my selection, JB. Quick question for you before we get to Troy Reader and who had a fantastic day. I, I call him Latimer. Did you ever see that movie, The Program? I did. Yeah, he's Latimer to me. I just love the way he <laughs> plays. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, the, the strike, the hit on Kyle Allen that knocked him out of the game, that brought Alex Smith into the game. Yep. Is that Should that be penalized? You know, I had a real good dialogue with, uh, with Sean Smith, the uh, – the head official yesterday, and, and um, you know, that that's a tough deal if you're a defensive player. I'll be interested to see just from talking with the league about that because there was something similar. I can't remember in which game it was the previous week where you have two players uh, going, uh, offensive player kind of lowers his head, defensive guy is, you know, that target point changes, and they're both going, for you know, forward momentum, and usually those end up being some offsetting penalties, but – what the explanation I got was because Kyle Allen was going lateral and Jalen downhill, that was the result of the penalty. Um, I'll be interested to see and, and get some more clarity on it. But, wow. you know, we, we, we've just got to be able to, uh, you know, they, they have a job, we have a job. But I think for us, it's just continuing to understand uh, how we can avoid ha some of those calls. And I thought Aaron was the same thing. You could see Aaron's trying to avoid him. Right. Um, you know, so both of those, you know, we got to be smarter on the Hollands, but I do think two of those three, you're really saying, I don't know how much different I could ask those guys to go compete while still being smart and avoid those. Uh, but that's also where it's always helpful to get the explanation from the league uh, so that we can get it echoed to our players. This is the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. And when you look at the last 10 quarters, the Rams have played defensively. 33 points allowed, three takeaways, 17 sacks, just 3.9 yards allowed per play. I know some naysayers will, will come up with, well, they're playing the Giants and they're playing Washington, and those aren't exactly gangbuster offenses. What do you see from your sideline with the, the work your defense is putting in? Yeah, I see them playing really well against the, the opponent that, that's on the schedule, and that's all you can do. Um, so we know it's a long season. Uh, I've been really pleased with what they've done. I know that you know the, the great thing is, is you talk to our defensive players and our coaches, and 
they're encouraged because they feel like there's still things that they can improve upon. And so uh, it's been outstanding. The production has been great. Uh, the, the consistent effort and, and all 11 playing on the same page, but there's always things that we can do to improve on. And this week will offer a, a great opportunity to be able to, to get a, a great challenge against what we know is a, a very, very good opponent. I don't give a, what happened yesterday they'll be ready to go no doubt absolutely well do me a favor man i mean troy reader like you said 10 tackles three sacks two tackles for loss three quarterback hits he was absolutely ever and a tackle on special teams i mean that's a day for your you know for for the history books there but some people say okay is he in competition for the starting job and i said it's not about that it's just about a guy stepping up when he's needed can you explain that yeah, it is. I, I think uh, I think he maximized his opportunity. That's the beauty of having some depth. Um, Mike has played outstanding throughout this year. I mean, you look at him getting the NFC Defensive Player of the Week honor a few weeks back, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if something like that comes Troy Reader. Probably Aaron Donald's way more than, than <laughs> Troy when he got four sacks. But um, I think it's encouraging. You know, the more the, having a bunch of guys that you feel very confident can step in and play at a high level, those are positive problems for coaches. So. Um, we know Micah can do a really good job. We know Troy's capable. Kenny Young, I thought, played his best game at the inside linebacker spot as well yesterday. And, you know, Joe Barry's done such a good job with those three in particular uh, as they continue to accumulate experience and maximize the most of their ops. But, but Troy was really good. I was uh, very happy for Troy. Not surprised, but, but very pleased with him. With eight sacks yesterday, the Rams now have 20 on the season. That's the most by the franchise through five weeks since 1988. It doesn't feel like long, maybe a couple of shows ago, since we were asking about how do you kind of wreak some more havoc on opposing quarterbacks. Do you feel like collectively you've made a good stride in that area? Well, I think when you act and when you you know say those numbers, I think so. I thought that was a really dominant performance yesterday, and um, you know we know that uh, nothing is finalized after five games. But the improvement through the five weeks is what I'm the most encouraged about. We're continuing to identify the best way to utilize our players uh, while also making sure that these matchups and the things that we want to activate are in alignment with trying to slow down some of the stuff that uh, the personnel on the opposing side and and their schemes dictate. So uh, can't say enough about just the collaboration of our coaches and players and excited about the opt to go attack number five in our sixth game of the season. That that four sack, JB, you saw Aaron's four sack, right? Did, did he throw a body into the quarterback and get the ball out? Uh, it's like an own goal when you're closest yeah. to it. What did you? And see? you're a future Hall of Famer. You're going to get that one. That's right. That's what I think. He's. Uh, it's. It's like. Uh, it's like a great basketball player getting a, a foul that maybe another player wouldn't have, or some of these quarterbacks getting some uh, roughing the passer penalties. Aaron Donald is going to get the benefit of the doubt with the Elias in terms of the sacks. So. I was talking in my post game about three game three sacks, and Aaron said, "Yeah, I got four. They gave me that last one." I said, "Well, hey, great. That's uh, that's the beauty of being great, huh, Aaron?" Wow. Say, I'll take it. That's the members' bounce, absolutely. And the thing is, man, it's it's going to continue. He could actually get better from here, which is scary for everyone else. He can, um, but he's he's what I would call an igniter. He makes everybody around them better. Um, he is always on fire, and uh, it's uh, it's fun to watch him do his thing week in and week out. The thing about 2020 for Aaron, and you remember back to his record-setting season a couple years ago, he's not known as a quick starter, at least in terms of these production stats we're talking about. Is this the best start to a season you've been a part of next to Aaron Donald? Yeah, I, I think it is. You know, it's good. It's amazing what happens when you come to training camp. <laughs> so he, I told him, I said, shoot, you, you know, he, the first couple years that we worked together, and last year, you know, he was, he was, he was there, but uh, – 
told him, I said, you know, that, that one year you have 20 and a half, you probably would have had 25 and broken the record if, uh, if you had just come to camp early and quit stressing me out. Oh, you're such a coach. I love it. <laughs> you're such a coach. But, uh, you know, let me give some love to the guys that that spell Eric. I think Greg Gaines is getting better. Morgan Fox has been playing his butt off. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day keeps flashing good plays. So when you send in a full complement of backups, there is no letdown on the defense. No, there's not. And, uh, you know, Coach Henderson has done such a good job of developing that depth. But uh, when you're able to be as efficient as we were on third down, when you're not letting these guys sustain drives, when the offense is sustaining drives, the defense stays fresh. You know, it was great to be able to see how healthy and how fresh a lot of our guys that play a lot of snaps felt, even, you know, when you travel and just even just the load that it takes, especially on those bigger guys flying out, flying back and um, some of the things that, you know, you just, your just body feels because you get some swelling when you just fly and in those elevated areas. Uh, but, but for them to come out with only 54 snaps total and to be able to spell those guys, I'm talking about our defense as a whole with the 54 snaps, I think it'll serve us really well going into this Niners game. Speaking of big bodies, my goodness, Terrell Lewis, to see him in uniform as a pro for the first time coming off of that knee, when he straight arms a left tackle back into the quarterback's lap, I can't help but salivate at the potential that's waiting in that, that young that, man. That, that was one of the rushes that got me excited as well, JB. You know, you just see the length, you see the power, and, um, you know, in a lot of instances, you know, sometimes you get the highlights for beating a guy quick, but when you are able to long arm a guy right back to the quarterback and they feel that thing just collapsing, uh, that affects and influences the quarterback in a big way uh, that might not show up on the stat sheet, but but that's why I always respect and appreciate your opinion because you're really watching the tape. You know what it looks like, and that one definitely got us excited as a coaching staff as well. You didn't think I was going to be watching the Lakers <laughs> last night or something, did you, right? I, I mean, you found a way to do both. You know, yeah. you're, 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 you're working, you're always working it, and that's why uh, you always have such a good vantage point because I, uh, I know the type of work that goes on behind the scenes for you to be good at what you do. Another outing, uh, well, five punts. I know you don't like that, but a great day from Johnny Hecker again. Just dropped. Yeah, and where I he thought wants. yesterday, you know, what I was encouraged about DeMarco is yesterday was a much better day because I challenged Johnny and really he challenged himself. I shouldn't say I challenged Johnny, but, you know, I had kind of reached out to him. He said, I got to be better with my punt selection. When we have some of those short field punts, we have to pin guys deep. You could see the competitor. He got it fixed. He did a great job yesterday. And, I thought the field position battle, we were really uh, in a lot of great situations where you're pinning them deep, defense is making them earn every single yard, and then offensively, I thought we should have capitalized much better on some of the short fields than what we did. That should have been reflected in more points, to be honest with you guys. All right, well, why don't we go there next on the Coach McVay Show. We'll turn our attention to some of the production the Rams were able to muster in uh, adverse conditions in the rain in Washington. They still get to 30 points, a two-touchdown day for Daryl Henderson among the topics we'll discuss as we prepare for Week 6 and Division Play, a rivalry matchup in San Francisco. That's coming up on Sunday. More McVay Show next on 710 ESPN. We continue with the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long with you, looking forward to the first NFC West contest of a new season as 2020 rolls on with a rivalry showdown against the San Francisco 49ers, a preview uh, from their side still to come tonight. But as we bring Sean McVay back in, you know, one of the things your offense has done so well this year is, is capitalize on that 
opening gambit, the script, the Dirty Dozen. I'm not sure how you describe it, but it seems like uh, your offense has really been on their P's and Q's with what you've set up for their opening drive so far this season. Yeah, they've done a great job, JB. And really, I think the start of games, you know, we've, we've had uh, four out of five games. We've started our opening drive with a touchdown. You know, we missed a field goal against Buffalo, but uh, I do think we would have come away with points if it weren't for some things that we can execute at a higher level. But uh, we don't really do opening scripts anymore. You know, it's it's some of the plays that we've worked on. Guys know what to expect. But um, what I've what I've realized is based on the way the game unfolds, we have priority calls that we want to be able to get off. But, um, you know, you never go right down the script when you have third downs and um, some different situations based on your early down efficiency. And the guys have just executed well. And that's always what it's about. And been very pleased with that. And now I want to just see us consistently sustain and, and execute at that level throughout the course of games, as opposed to just having those little lulls here and there, which we've seemed to have uh, really in every game. Yeah, Gerald Everett, really impressive the way you used him outside the numbers in line tight end as a fullback and really came through four catches, 90 yards, 22 yard average, 22 and a half yards. Seems like he's carved out a niche in your offense. No, he, he did a great job. You know, we had talked about it last week. He's a guy that's got too much ability for us not to get him a little bit more involved. Uh, I thought the ball was spread around really well yesterday by Jared, but Gerald maximized his ops. He had two big plays on the first drive of the game, uh, two really big third down conversions. And uh, one was a screen, one was a little route where he's coming in on kind of a slant slash under route and does a great job creating after the catch. And um, had a huge catch off the play action from the fullback spot and then another third down conversion. So he made the most of his four for 90. Uh, I thought he did a lot of good stuff. And, um, you know, the more playmakers you have, the more problems you can create for defenses. And uh, that was a great job by uh, by Gerald. And, and I thought Jared did a really good job of getting a lot of guys involved yesterday as well. Yeah, I didn't know if that was Gerald or Kyle Juszczyk in that second <laughs> quarter on that weak side lead. There you go. That was- That's right. It's uh, – you know, the, the ability to be able to do so many different things enables you to be in a lot of different personnel groupings based on his versatility. You can get into two back, which is typically reflective of 21. You can be in some one back stuff in 11. You could be in some two tight end sets in 12. And a player like him that's kind of your Joker-esque enables you to be able to present a lot of different options um, out of what is just the same bodies. But because of his versatility, you can activate a whole lot of different plays from your menu uh, that that makes it uh, difficult on a defense. You know, every time we talk about Robert Woods inside or outside the this this studio, it's always he's underappreciated. Well, keep doing what you're doing on game day. 56 yard touchdowns. I mean, that will change from underappreciated to well appreciated. Yeah, I think he's always been well appreciated by the people that are on this conversation. Um, you know, I know you guys feel the same way I do. I know our team feels that way. Um, he's just a guy that you don't take for granted. He's got a C on his chest. His production in terms of the numbers speak for themselves, but uh, I always say those who know, know. Anybody that knows what they're looking at on this film, they know Robert Woods is a dog and a baller. You like that wheel concept to get the touchdown off the off the jet action? I think so. 56-yard touchdown. <laughs> Did you like it is the real question. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just love how it all dovetails together. <laughs> and, and I also love the local media daring you to throw it over the top, so I'm sure you uh, relish that component of it as well yeah you know, uh, Gary Klein had been asking a lot about that so uh, you know that's I told Gary that's why we called that play no we uh, I thought Jared made a great play um, and it's just uh, you know one of those deals where the players made that play come to life and uh, that was uh, it just gives us some some different things that you can present and like you said off the same actions and 
that was uh, that was a big time play. Great execution by those two. So I've kind of been holding something in my back pocket, not wanting to jinx anything with Jared and ball security. But since he had his first fumble of the season, totally understandable on that strip sack, by the way. I kind of want to discuss it here if we can. I went back and I kind of jotted down. I think it was week 11, 2018 to week 10 of 19, which was your Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. 19 fumbles, 10 of them lost. Since, only two fumbles, none lost in 12 games. I, I know there's other elements to this, but how much credit does Jared deserve for the work he's done in the pocket with ball security? Huge. Uh, and, and I think, you know, ball security, it takes all 11. We talk about yes. that all the time. It's it's the effort, sustain, and finish from the offensive line. It's him reading, you know, with his feet, with his decision-making, his timing and accuracy. It's the receivers and tight ends separating in the timing and rhythm of the play. It's backs protecting. So, I think that is a reflection. I think that's truly an offensive stat, but also for Jared, I think he's been stronger. I think he's been sturdier. And then I also think he's had a better internal clock where things go off and he's moved better when the pocket does get a little bit uh, muddy, if you will. But he's done a great job. Uh, You're really seeing a lot of that practice preparation translate into game reality. And I keep mentioning him, but uh, Kevin O'Connell and, and Liam have been instrumental in, in the success that Jared's had through five weeks as well. I wish I could be out there with him. You know, Marino was deadly serious. I mean, he would cuss out his own guys and scare you to death. Brett Favre made me laugh while we were playing. It was mm-hmm. just like play. It was like schoolyard football. What's Jared Goff's mental makeup? I, you know what? I think, uh, shoot, the players would be better equipped to answer that. I always get some good insight when he's mic'd up. Uh, I think he's got a. I think it's a little bit more Brett Favre-esque, uh, but he's got a great way of, of having some urgency about him when it's necessary. You know, I always I talk to our team about finding that perfect balance of urgency and enjoyment, and I think he's got it figured out pretty good. And uh, I think that's a great thing and a great trait of Jared's. Another another trait that I know you really like is that you can coach him hard and that and that he wants the feedback. What were kind of the some of those items in the end of half sequence, uh, including the interception? Yeah, you know, and, and he and Kevin do a great job of communicating amongst one another during the game, uh, but it's just being able to understand the situation, the command and control that we had of the game, and those are the kind of things that, um, you know, allow teams to creep back in it. And if it wasn't a day where our defense was playing so unbelievable, you never know being able to turn that into three or possibly a touchdown at the end of the half, even though we were getting the ball, I thought – uh, was really, uh, you know, something that we've got to avoid. And, and he knows that. I think he's been very critical of himself because of the standards that he has. And it's really about us being able to collaborate to figure out, all right, how do we avoid these things and how do we use it as a learning opportunity moving forward? And that's exactly what he did. I like the way that he responded with some of the decisions and the way he played in the second half. And, you know, I think one of the greatest throws that won't ever get credit was the one on fourth and one to Robert. Mm. Uh, we didn't end up completing it. But if you watch the elements there, um, that was a real, uh, probably not the best decision, but also a reflection of the confidence I have in him for him to be able to deliver that ball versus tight man and make that throw with the way that rain was coming down. That might've been the throw of the day that unfortunately won't go down in the stat sheet, but Jared's playing good football right now. I've been very pleased with him. Uh, decision to throw it or decision to call the play. Well, I think I should have been a little more aware of how hard the rain started to come down. Ah. I was in between a stoppage and, uh, you know, we were just changing it where it was going right into the fourth quarter. And, you know, I'm not going to uh, – I'm going to always continue to, to be smart but aggressive, and that was a reflection of the confidence. And told Robert Woods, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I'll call that right right again because of uh, 
you know, one play will never change the confidence I have in you over the uh, course of these last handful of years. And it's the same thing with really all of our players. You know, describing the conditions, it looked like Jared was throwing a medicine ball at, at that point <laughs> in the did. game. But, but that's what I'm saying. On when the receiving end, that's I mean, Robert too, right? Yes, but I mean, you're right. I mean, for you to notice that, I mean, the way that he had to change his delivery because of how heavy and probably slippery that ball was in his hands, that was an outstanding throw there. Hmm. It was amazing, actually. How about the catch radius from Reynolds, switching gears to to another receiver? And I've been guilty of this. I know a lot of us have asked you about Van Jefferson and how can he get more and, and fulfill kind of the hype that we poured on him this summer. But my goodness, Josh Reynolds is not giving snaps away either. No, Josh has played really well. Uh, I, I think Josh pushed through a, an ankle injury where he was a little banged up against the Bills, but made some big catches in that game to get us back in it and retake the lead. Um, and then last week he was pushing through his ankle being a little sore uh we were just not very productive or efficient overall offensively but yesterday i mean he made a couple big time catches uh i thought that catch that you're probably alluding to where he's it's a tight man coverage he goes up and snags it and that was a big time play on on you know on a drive that we had to be able to have it early on you know i'm still shocked uh, when i watch the tape and watch your old line i mean Zero pressure from the inside. Zero sacks from the in- the interior guys. How is Austin Corbett available for you guys? I don't get it. I don't know what they didn't see, and this guy can play. You made the right choice to put him at right guard. Yeah, no, he's playing really well. Um, I think David Edwards has played outstanding and Austin Blythe. You know, just another year at the center spot, the communication, the command. Um, as those guys get more comfortable playing with one another, I just think it's going to continue to increase, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we continue to stay healthy, but been very pleased with those guys. And especially against a front like that with so many talented players, uh, that was a great job by them. Talk some running backs here. Two touchdown game for Daryl Henderson, including his first receiving touchdown. We knew he had that in his repertoire, but I continue to be blown away for how small in stature he is. He does not turn down contact. He doesn't always win those, whether it's pass pro or, or in the hole, but my goodness, he's looking for it. He is, uh, he is maybe short, but he's a thick little guy now. I mean, he is, he's a sturdy – he's like a keg running you over. <laughs> you know, he, he's got low center of gravity, great contact balance, but he's wired the right way. He's always grounded. Uh, but uh, we always joke with him. But he's, 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 like a, uh, he's like a keg coming at you, just a sturdy, steady guy that can have great uh, – he, he's got some impact on uh, on contact for sure. That sounds like Maurice Jones drew. If, if only he was here. <laughs> you know Mo is you – know, yeah, that's it. I tell you what, Mo was like a keg too. Great contact balance. You, you had to tell Mo I said that. He'll probably get on me about some sort of blocking uh, down in the goal line. On some of these plays. <laughs> get those, don't bring those safeties down in there for him. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, how about so for – We would rather just let him tee off on you and not even put a hat on him. See how he likes that. Speaking of contact balance, I think we got our first glimpse, at least professionally, of what Cam Akers uh, presented mm. that, that you like so much on him, right? Yeah, that, that's the one thing I thought that really showed itself in a big way, JB, is, uh, you know, one of the things that he did a great job of was kind of creating on his own on some dirty looks. And he did that uh, on his 46 yard run. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, just his, his creativity and his natural athleticism. And uh, I thought uh, he did a great job. It was good to be able to get him a couple touches and you could just feel he's a dynamic runner. And uh, I think he's only going to continue to get better with experience, but some of those things, you look at that run, you know, you give credit to Montez sweat for being able to finish it, but for Cam to even be able to get that run going with the amount of guys he made miss and some free hitters that we had where it wasn't a really well-blocked play, but it was a really great individual effort 
uh, by a really special talent there. It just seems like there's so much more you can do with him as he gains experience. I think so. Um, and that's why it was good to be able to get him back, get his feet wet a little bit. Uh, and I think for, you know, these young players too, when you go make plays in these games, your confidence grows because it's a different speed. Um, you know, you, you, these guys all have confidence, but I think there's nothing like being able to have some success, some tangible evidence of, man, I can do this. I can draw on these experiences. I can use them to learn. And that's why you want these conscientious players, but I can, you could just see the confidence growing for a lot of these young guys that are getting their opportunities and then they're having success with those opportunities. I know that had to be the first time in his life he's been caught by a defensive end from behind. Had to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You have to ask him about that, but uh, it was a great run. I think his running back coach might have hawked him. If you look at the sideline, too, he was rolling pretty good. Thomas Brown was was pretty excited. He, he looked like he had a good little 10-yard burst that I think his time would have been better than Cam's right there. Uh, one of the many Rams who take that uh, healthy shot of confidence with them to Levi's for the first division matchup of the season. And we'll talk about the trip to Santa Clara with Sean McVay next as the Coach McVay Show rolls on 710 ESPN. Well, it took a while to get this rivalry back to its historic levels as the Rams came back to Los Angeles and each team emerged as an NFC champion. But as we welcome Sean McVay back to the Coach McVay Show, it feels like we're there now with respect to the haymakers the Rams and the Niners have exchanged in recent years. Can you feel that at your facility too? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the reigning NFC champs. They're the reigning division champs. Um, we know what a great football team this is. I'm not, I don't really care what happened last week or what their re- record is reflective of. And, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of uh, things that, that we want to be able to do and, and continue to accomplish. And the only thing we can do this week is have a great week of preparation and be ready to ride against these guys at Levi Stadium. That's how you have to approach it. You, pretend like they scored 43 points. I mean, you're going to get their best shot on game day. Absolutely. You know, that's the thing that's so crazy about the NFL is, uh, every single week. It's why people uh, lose a lot of money when they bet on it because it's uh, such a competitive thing. But uh, I, don't, I know one thing. You don't bet against the, the coaching staff, the caliber of players that they have in San Francisco, and uh, we're certainly going to uh, need to be able to be ready to roll and give them our best shot to go get it done. I can already feel it coming. I can hear it that the, like a popular comparison this week is going to be regarding the last two champions, right? Comparing what the 2019 Rams went through to what the 2029ers might be dealing with now. Should we be careful with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just think it's so early in the season. Um, you know, these guys have had to navigate and negotiate through a lot of injuries to some key players. But uh, I know this, when they're firing on all cylinders, like we fully expect, uh, they are, uh, and there's a reason why they, went 13-3, and three, rolled through the playoffs, and uh, were a, a few plays away from being Super Bowl champs. So this is something that, uh, you know, we're excited about the opportunity to compete against a great franchise, great organization, and uh, great players and coaches. You know, one more word about your defense. Uh, I hear this with boxers all the time when they knock out an overmatched opponent. They always say, when I'm right, that could have been anybody. Do you feel the same way about your defense? When they're right, that could have been anybody, anybody what you just saw on Sunday. Yeah, I feel very confident in our defense. Um, I think we need to continue on this upward trajectory that we're on. Um, but, but when they're playing that way, uh, I, I, I really like our matchups. I like the way that, that we're playing right now as a unit. I like the different players. I like the way that our coaches are working in unison with our players. And uh, I do feel really confident in them. But uh, we know that you can never rest on your laurels through five weeks. And you got to continue to really push the standards, push the envelope, and, and keep getting better. And 
never let the complacency set in, and, and I know that's not going to be an issue with the types of players and coaches we have on that side of the ball. Speaking of matchups, I'd love to ask you about George Kittle. One, what you've kind of learned about competing against him from recent years. And then two, I, I go back to this summer and hearing Jalen and Brandon kind of talk about you know the matchups they wanted to create, um, some of the pre- and post-snap confusion, and the way that they could deploy Jalen differently than he had been to this point in his career. And I couldn't help but feel like the 49ers and George Kittle had to be in the back of their minds when they're talking about that. Well, I think, um, you know, that's a possibility. They, they, they do such a great job. I mean, I think it's a perfect marriage of great player and, and coaches that really know how to accentuate his skill set. I mean, this guy is as complete a tight end. When you look at the way that he competes without the ball, I think he's one of those guys that has a great play energy about himself that resonates with the rest of his teammates. Um, you know, when the ball's in his hands, he's as good as far as creating uh, after the catch, breaking tackles, and then, you know, they, they activate him on a variety of different routes and they put him all over the place. And um, he's capable of beating you in a variety of ways. But I think he is a, he's a be- he's a huge part of what they do. And uh, he's somebody that, that we'll definitely have to be uh, ultra aware of, whether that means Jalen's matching up with him or other things, you know, will remain to be seen based on how this game plan comes together. Oh, I just got all fired up with that. I like that. Hey, I know it's for you. It's it's the next opponent. But for me, it's it's 49er week. It is. It, it's it's the big yep. one. This is the rivalry. This is what it's all about. It's a big one. Oh, listen, I'm not going to deny that. I, 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 I love this opportunity to compete against these guys. It's a big one because it's the next one. But um, knowing that it's a division game, I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little bit more excitement than the norm and um, the respect that we have for this opponent. But you better believe that we're going to be ready to give them our best shot too now. Can you appreciate the difficult decision that Kyle Shannon had to make at, at halftime with Garoppolo coming off an injury and clearly not his normal self and then kind of dovetailing with that? Obviously, you'll be monitoring his status this week, but would it be your anticipation that it will be Jimmy G to start again in week six? I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, Kyle's always had such a good feel. That was one of the things I realized from working with him before. He has such a good feel for uh, the flow of a game, and um, I think yesterday was reflective of, you know, he knew that the ankle was a little bit of an issue. He knew what it was going to take to get back into that game, and um, he always has really good reasoning. But Jimmy's their starting quarterback, and that's who I would expect to play against us. He's tough, man. He is tough. He takes a lot of heat, but he's tough. And when he's good, they're great. No, that's right. And, you know, that's usually how it is with the quarterbacks in general. But he's, um, you know, Kyle does such a great job. And I thought yesterday was reflective of being able to have a good feel for that. And, um, you know, I I think, um, you know, we we are expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be the quarterback. We know what a great player this guy is and the amount of success that he's had, whether you go back to his New England days or, uh, you know, just in San Francisco. It's been amazing. You're in a nice little groove here with the travel on the Sundays or the Saturdays, beg your pardon, mandated by the league. Um, but I wonder, like, was Sunday night football less than an hour flight away? Would you ever want to go morning of for a Sunday night game? I know that kind of came up in conversation planning for this season. Yeah, I don't think so. Only because, um, I mean, I, I, here's what I would say. I probably would have said I don't think so about traveling the day before for a couple time zones. So, right. I, you know, until you experience it, it's hard to say, but for us, we'll travel. We'll make it feel very similar to kind of what we've done as far as we'll leave a little bit later. We'll get into San Fran on Saturday night. And then typically what we've done on the primetime games is uh, you don't necessarily have the night meetings that you that you would if you're getting up and you're going. You let the guys rest. But I think it is important the next day to get them on their feet a little bit, moving around, get their blood flowing. And 
uh, do some of the, the walkthroughs, if you will, and then get them back off their feet. And then the next thing you know, you're having the, the pregame meal and, and you're getting on the bus to go do the deal. So that's what uh, that's what this week will be reflective of on Sunday. I think I might hate that, JB. The day of. Disruptive. Get, get, uh, just uh, weird. Like you said, there's swelling, there's this, there's that. I mean, it's a short flight, but getting off a plane and going right to the stadium, that'd be weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not in any normal year, but just because this year created yeah. so many, especially like those eastern seaboard uh, where you can kind of get on a bus, you don't even have to take a plane. That was something yeah, that I know. Yeah, that's where some... a couple of teams have done the trains. You know, like I, I remember, mm. you know, before I, when I was in Washington, when Joe Gibbs was the head coach, I guess they used to take the train to New York and to Philly. Uh, for their interdivisional games, but I, I still think they travel probably the night before. You get your Halloween stuff up yet? You know what? I leave the, any of the decorations is totally out of my arena, so uh, <laughs> the answer is no. But, you know, whatever we have up, uh, I'm not responsible for. Do you have candy in the house? Come on. Oh, yeah, we have some candy. You know, we kind of live in a spot, though, that isn't the most uh, friendly. We're at, like, the top of a really hill, a tough hill that's kind of to, to walk through, so – you know, Veronica usually always has some great candy and stuff, but it's been a very small uh, list of uh, trick-or-treaters that we've seen at the house. I got a rule. If it's tough to get to your house, then I, I expect the full-size candy bars. Oh, Don't give me those. the little ones. Oh, you're getting those. <laughs> we're, we're, that, that was a big deal. I always used to scope out the houses that I knew they weren't uh, stingy, and so that way you could knock out about 10 houses and get the same thing you'd get if you went to about 100 with uh, – People that are saying, you know, just take one. It's like, that's, that's, come on, man. This is trick or treat. What are we talking about? Thank you. <laughs> and, and candy corn is disgusting, right? We all agree? Oh, I like candy corn. What? Yeah. Marco? I, I kind of like candy corn. What's your problem? Oh, candy corn. What's happening? You guys. Candy corn? It's good stuff. I thought you were on What's Team Candy Bar. Well, I mean, I don't like chocolate, so who am I to speak? He doesn't but, like uh, chocolate, coach. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you got some issues, man. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say that. doesn't surprise me to hear that about you. Uh, hey, one uh, one kind of note from around the NFL that caught my attention with respect to you. I know you and Raheem Morris are close, and it sounds like he's going to take over as the interim in Atlanta. Yep, he is. Um, it's what a – I mean, this guy is one of my closest friends, but I, I know how close he and Dan Quinn are. And you talk about being torn because, uh, you know, he, he in a lot of ways you feel like you're only in this role because you failed a great man and wow. but then you get an opportunity to do that but uh you know i know coach quinn was adamant about being able to advocate for raheem being able to take over uh raheem is a great coach i think he'll do a great job but dan quinn is also a great coach and a great man and the way that i've watched him handle uh the success some adversity i think he epitomizes a lot of things that are right about coaching and I know he'll do a great job wherever he lands next, but that guy's a stud uh, just watching him navigate and negotiate through some of the things that he's had to do. But um, I, I just, uh, you know, this coaching thing is tough. I think it's a very small fraternity of guys. And when you look at how hard it is to win in this league week in and week out and how volatile it is, uh, it's why you just cherish and, and you feel blessed to be in the roles that you're in, but you want to make sure that you're enjoying it as well. Fun sport, tough business. Uh, shout yes. out for the Lakers. 17th championship. For the Lakers. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, and, and uh, I've really enjoyed watching the playoffs. You know, basketball is such a great way to be, to be able to, you know, use as reference points because usually if you show other NFL guys, you know, guys are like, yes, you know, screw that guy, man. You know, we're, we're, we're competing against them. But you see LeBron, you see AD, you see the way they play on both ends of the court. Um, you know, watching Rob Polinka assemble this team, Frank Vogel in his first year, it's it's been really fun to watch those guys. And, I'm a huge NBA fan, but the competitiveness, 
you know, even just seeing the heat, the way that they battled yeah. and, and Coach Spolster leading them and Jimmy Butler's resilience. And, man, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, you know, obviously with Mr. Kroenke owning the Nuggets, um, them coming back down from two series where they're down 3-1. I've loved watching the NBA playoffs, but to see LeBron get it done, he was a man on a mission. Uh, you get AD there, and it looks like they're going to be a problem for years to come. We're here at LA Live and just walking into the studio today. The number of Kobe jerseys was overwhelming. It was a bit emotional. I know you guys have your Mamba periods uh, up there in Thousand Oaks. I mean, to think that this all transpired in 2020 and finished this way was something special, Sean. It, it seems surreal. Um, you know, what a legacy this guy left. You talk about the epitome of everything you want to personify and represent as a competitor and um, the type of father that he was, the husband. I mean, this uh, it's 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 bittersweet but i also think he probably smile in a lot of ways because of the legacy that he left behind and the admiration that people have for him uh even though he's not here with us currently thank you for your time as always have a safe week of practice a productive week of practice and a uh winning trip to san francisco let's do it guys i appreciate it always enjoy coming on here with you all right for sean mcveigh for demarco far i'm jb long this has been the coach mcveigh show on 710 espn